lesson learned. When in doubt, just be quiet. Don't ask women if they're pregnant. Nope, just that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, friends. We have something to confess. In the spirit of Pride Month, I would like to announce that this show is by by Coastal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm in Las Vegas oh right God, now, and I just thought, I thought of that joke on the plane, and I love it. I thought it was pretty good. It's pretty. It's pretty on the nose. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love it. But the best part of that was like watching you like dance while you said it. Bye, Coastal. <laughs> oh, feels so good to get it off my chest, you know. Yeah, right? It feels good feels to come out. feels free. Besides being two huge dorks, I'm Kate. <laughs> this is my co-host, Caitlin. Hello. And we are Hey Beautiful. We're recapping every single episode of How I Met Your Mother one week at a time. No spoilers. And you have caught us as we are about to talk about Aldrin Justice. So, yeah, we're getting into season two, and it's a real strong streak of episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. Like this streak here makes me understand why people consider season two the best. As I was looking ahead, I had the exact same thought. I was like, you know what? It is a solid season. I think it's extremely consistently well written. Yeah. No sophomore slump here. No, no, not at all. They really mm-hmm. uh, get into their stride in season two, which is great. So mm-hmm. before we get into that, I just wanted to point out an adorable little note we got on Twitter this week from a new friend named Natasha. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Natasha. And she actually shouted us out to all of her friends. And she said, friends, if you like Him Yim, I highly recommend starting from the beginning again and listening to this podcast as you go. These ladies are awesome. Thank you so much for the uh, shout out, Natasha. Now, please go and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars and a comment, please. Yay. Yes. Natasha. <laughs> you like us that much, I mean. Natasha and everybody else. Yes. Please give us a review on iTunes because they really help. Other fans like you find us. I have two pieces of How I Met Your Mother news that we need to talk about before we get further into this episode or into it at all. Did you see Neil Patrick Harris talking about Rachel Bloom at the the Tonys? No. Girl, I thought he was joking. He tweeted something out because he was at home not hosting the Tonys, I think. Which is a shame. Right? He wasn't hosting it. And he said something like, who is the girl backstage with the top hat on? My kids keep saying she says like and totally a lot or something like that. And I assumed he was joking. I just saw. Oh. See? I'm a big fan of yours. We've met numerous times. And my husband wrote for How I Met Your Mother for five years. Yeah. So I I thought that he was being like facetious and that she was like playing along with it. But apparently he really didn't know who she was and was being... Genuine? Shady? Shitty? Oblivious? I have no idea. That's weird, though, right? Like, how could the two of them, so um, so into musically musical theater... Yeah. ...and sitcoms, how could they not... How could he not know her? And with her husband writing on the show? For five years. Five years. And wrote a very pivotal episode for Barney, specifically. Isn't this wild? I don't... I was like, no way. Neil Patrick Harris is joking. But apparently he didn't know. He didn't know who Rachel Bloom was. I can't even imagine that. Everyone out there, please watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's 
a fucking oh revelation. Oh my god, if only for Rachel Bloom's boobs. The other exciting piece of news is I saw on Twitter today that Craig Thomas and Carter Bays, our faithful creators, are shopping around a pilot. <gasps> and it's based on, they said it's an AI-based rom-com, like romantic comedy sitcom, I think. But it's called Making Friends, which is cute. Oh, I like the name of it. So uh, it sounds like Amazon passed on it. Oh, maybe Netflix will pick it up. Yeah, so hopefully someone picks it up because he said specifically, if you love Time Mate or Mother, you will love making friends. So keep your fingers crossed and search that hashtag and, and help get it made on on one platform or another. Is it about like a robot who's trying to fit in and be a human and make friends? Well, when I hear making friends, like it's like you make a friend when you make a robot. Like you literally oh. make it. So someone's making friends? Maybe. That are robots? We're going to find out. Hopefully. So many possibilities. Someone better pick that shit up, and we will absolutely do a mini episode about it. All right, Caitlin, are you ready to talk about Aldrin Justice? I am. Let's do it. Woohoo. Okay, this is season two, episode six, Aldrin Justice. It first aired on October 23rd, 2006. The writer is Jamie Ronheimer. Not a lady writer. I made sure I, I looked know. it up. It's a unisex name. And our director, as always, is Pam Fryman. Mm-hmm. Any any info about our writer this week? Yeah. So uh, he has a couple he's a couple of different shows, none that have really taken off that he's written for, other than the one he's writing for currently, which is The Ranch on Netflix. It's with Ashton Kutcher and Danny Masterson. It's in like season three, I think. Well, that 70s show reunion? It's about this uh, rancher, right? Okay. This guy. And, he's, and uh, he was a pro football player, trying to be a football player, and got hurt. So he has to come back to the ranch and work with his dad. And it's a sitcom. I'm sure a lot of lessons are learned along the way. It's really stupid. I, <laughs> I, well, so here's the thing. So I was listening to an interview with Ashton Kutcher, who I don't particularly like but he was saying something about how there is a demographic in middle america that we miss you know they don't get to see their stories represented blah 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 well blah, roseanne blah. tried to do that but she turned out being a racist she's a racist right so and the, there's the there's the fine line you walk i guess yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i i watched the preview for it it just looked really bad like a lot of laugh tracks and the sets looked horrible like it looked really bad. I feel like, it like reminded it... me of the backyard. <laughs> like they took the backyard set from Home Improvement. Oh no! And made no adjustments. Oh no! Like so, it's just like weird looking. It just looks old and outdated. Don't, I'm... don't give it a try. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling like the dialogue might be as bad as like Two and a Half Men. I'm guessing. Ugh. I don't like that show either. Yeah, no. I mean, just just terrible writing. But I don't like Danny Masterson at all. Well, didn't he get like a? Wasn't there some sort of Me Too situation around him? Oh, probably. I'm pretty sure there was. Danny Masterson? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a scumbag. Yeah. But I feel like Danny Masterson, his brother, and Neil Patrick Harris all kind of look alike. Wait, like Danny that. Masterson who? I think he has a brother. His brother was what? on Malcolm in the Middle. He was the oldest brother, I think. Really? And then Neil Patrick Harris. They all, the three of them all kind of look like they could be in the same family. Now, into the episode we go. 
the first thing we get is a voiceover which gives some very, very important advice, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Future Ted says, when you reach your late 20s, you might be surprised to discover you still don't have life quite figured out. And I cannot stress that enough. That That's probably going to happen to all of you if you uh-huh. haven't already had that experience because you can't you just can't get where you need to be by the end of your 20s. No. The try on 20s, right? Is that what Mimi said? Yes, the try on 20s. So if you are out there and you're about to hit 27, 28, 29, even 30. And 31, 32. Yeah, and you feel 33. like your life isn't where it's supposed to be. That's because no one's is, really, unless they get extremely lucky or have lots and lots of help. So just relax. Enjoy the ride and continue to be on a quest to find yourself the way Lily is. Uh, So we see her coming to terms with the fact that she doesn't really know what her passion is. She really hasn't figured out what that one thing is she wants to do yet. And she knows she wants to try things besides teaching kindergarten. So we see her having this full quarter life crisis slash Saturn return going through wanting to be a life coach a marine biologist, a slam poet, and a beekeeper, and all kinds of other stuff, trying to figure out where she fits in. I thought it was interesting, because she says, she makes a comment about wanting to change the world, Mm. right? What better way than in education? It's true. Shaping minds. Hell yeah. But she's feeling restless, and I mean, she has no Marshall still, so I'm sure she just feels completely without purpose. Yeah, just spinning. And in that vein, Caitlin, do you feel like you've found your true passion in life or are you still looking for something? I don't know. Hmm. I love what I do, but I work in education and it's a tough place to be. So yeah. I don't know about that anymore. Yeah. Well, for in, a, in some years when Jack graduates, Chris and I talk about going back to school and trying something different. But no, why not? Yeah. How about you? Same. I mean, I think that I've, sort of set the foundation for different things mm-hmm. and I can kind of see the paths forward but I don't know what the passion will end up being I don't know where it's going to take me or what job or career or creative outlet is really going to be the thing that mm-hmm. that feels completely right uh, I've got tons of passion so I guess it's just about narrowing it down a little bit mm-hmm. but we'll get there mm-hmm. And we're both yeah. in our early 30s, so. We got 10. We're right on right on schedule. That career clock is ticking, though. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Robin lets it slip that in order to put the bill for all of this passion hunting, Lily has been waiting tables at the Big Wave Luau, which is a theme restaurant, apparently, in New York City. And just like any good best friends, they all go down there to fully humiliate her at her place of work. And it's pretty easy because they show up and she's in full cultural appropriation with the Mm -hmm. coconut bra and the grass skirt and the fake Hawaiian name. And they're just... Anuheya? Anuheya, which means cool and refreshing, much like our 12 specialty drinks. And you think Robin's on her side, but then Robin's like, oh, psych, it's my birthday. Get me that big, that big drum. And the whole time I was watching this, I feel like I might have had a different 
take on it the first time through, but all I could think was, even when it feels like it sucks, when you look back on that time when you were kind of untethered, Mm. it's so freeing. I mean, she has this job she can just, like, clock out of and go home. You know, she's kind of starting from scratch and starting things over, and it's kind of a very energized point in your life when you have to start from scratch, so... I mean, I'm not jealous. I don't want to do go through that again, but it is like a different, it's definitely a different energy to, to the life when, when you're not tied down by a whole bunch of different stuff. So we're at the bar and Marshall is kind of complaining about how this semester is killing him. I think mostly because he thought it was going to be easier, which is always a huge letdown when you think you're going into something simple and you're going to cruise through and, and then you don't. Uh, but he blames it on the fact that his professor got divorced over the summer, and Marshall thinks that uh, she probably just needs to get laid, which is something my husband would say, like, oh, she just needs a deep dick in. <laughs> yeah, really, really classy. Um, and, you know, Barney, who is completely uninterested in the conversation, really, like, visibly perks up. He was looking at his little phone, and uh, Marshall is pretty sure he that Barney won't be into her, But, of course, he is, Um, you know, just because she's older. Mm. But then Barney introduces the group to the term cougar. You know, everyone's familiar with that term now, but at the time, not so much. I know. I thought it was crazy that this was so early that cougar wasn't a normal part of the conversation yet. Yeah, because I think I first saw this season, like, at least one season late. Mm -hmm. So... I think even by the time I saw it, it was everywhere. So this must have been just like riding the very first cougar wave. Yeah, I tried to do some uh, jujuling to see when it kind of came around. And I saw like 2007, a lot of more mentions. Um, But there is a feline scale on Urban Dictionary. And you and I are both considered pumas. Ooh, puma. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, God, you couldn't pay me enough to date someone that much younger than me. It says cougar is 40 to 49. What's under cougar? Is that us? All the way up yeah, to 40? Puma. Jesus. 30 to 39. <laughs> Lynx is 22 to 29. 18 to 21 is a wild cat. Ew. What's grosser is they have no. a house cat and a bobcat. No, for under it age? Just, it just says it. Oh. It says it classifies women, then in parentheses, who prey on younger men for their sexual appetite. But why is it classifying count. younger girls, though? I think just to give house cat because it's cute and tiny, like a little kid. Yeah, but it's still saying they prey on young boys. Men. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so it edit that out. <laughs> Leave it to Urban Dictionary to be fucking gross. So anyway, Barney accepts the challenge that nobody gives him. And that is a running gag we'll see again and again, mm-hmm. um, the challenge being accepted, which is one of my favorites for sure. Especially when one. no one challenges him. Like that's yeah, the best. Exactly. Poor Barney has to make his own entertainment. I know. <laughs> Poor baby. Uh, Lily comes in and announces that she quit her job, which is not super surprising to anybody. Mm-hmm. And Robin realizes that an assistant at Ted's office just quit. And Ted Ted gets a weird look on his face. <laughs> oh, God. And he looks, like, real uncomfortable. And we get this flashback. And he's walking with some dudes, and they're talking about lunch. And in the foreground, we see a woman who's a little bit more heavy set, mm-hmm. sitting at her desk, taking out 
food from a large brown bag, mm-hmm. including a giant Tupperware of salad with a full, full chicken on top. A full chicken on top. And apparently 12 sides, which we didn't see. Oh, now you're just attacking our figure? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like such a... Because it, it it didn't feel like a lazy fat joke to me. It was... I was like, okay, I mean, did that bitch just come into work with all that food? With a full chicken! Like... <laughs> But that maybe that's also being like, oh, this is how much fat people eat. And first, and I have never and will never see a fat person eat like that in public. We do not do that <laughs> because you don't want to get people saying like, hmm, hmm. oh yeah, what are you, you doing? brought lunch for everyone. Awesome, fucking Ted, fucking Ted. First of all, one chicken would not feed everyone, Ted. That was my first thought. Yeah, food aggressive. Even if she had eleven sides, the side dishes that she had were tiny. Yeah. Oh, Teddy boy. So, yeah, now there is a vacancy because Ted destroyed this woman's life. Yeah. And he offers the job to Lily. Yeah. So, uh, lesson learned. When in doubt, just be quiet. Yeah. Just be quiet, Don't. people. We see Ted showing Lily around the office now that she has accepted the job. And I love how Lily has completely dressed the part of secretary. It's mm-hmm. kind of a little retro, feels a little mad men, right? So she's got like the, the collar and the little uh, like the little shift dress, and she just looks mm-hmm. really cute. It's got like this very mod pattern on it. So she's looking the part, and her fashion has gone like through the roof since she got back from San Francisco. I love her hair this color, too. Oh, yeah. She looks great. She looks really good with that tan. Mm-hmm. And so Ted's walking around, showing her the ropes, and they get to the building that they are going to yes. be building. Oof. Well, it's the model of the building they're going to be building. And he gets to show her just how much of a penis it looks like. And I'm, <laughs> I'm always so sad that we don't get to see it. I know. But when he described it as pink marble, I mean, you can basically... Yeah, you can see it in yeah, your mind. Yeah. So as she's inspecting it with, with, with horror... Up comes Hammond Druthers, the head architect. And right away, we see how arrogant he is and why Ted has been so stressed out. And he just completely embarrasses Ted in front of Lily Mm -hmm. and questions him being an architect and totally belittles him. And this guy just clearly has a screw loose. And it's Brian Cranston. Mm -hmm. And he does such a good job in this role that it makes me fucking hate him. I know. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't like him at all. Like, I don't like anything he's in. And then my in, my other inner voice is like, you know, you just don't like him here. Yeah, because he was great well, in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah, for sure. Although I, I didn't like Breaking Bad. That's scary. Well, it's stressful. It is scary, but I got... I got really sad in the first episode. Like, his son has special needs. Mm. He had a really bad marriage. Mm. And then he was in, like, his underwear, and I felt really depressed. Well, yeah, it's, like, very and anti-hero, and it's it's kind of like Sopranos that way, I think, where they just... I've never seen that either. It gets real viscerally uncomfortable. Yeah, I just... That's not why I watch TV. Same. <laughs> Let's watch How I Met Your Mother again from the, from the top. Yeah, from the top. From the top. So Hammond threatens to fire Ted if he doesn't do the styrofoam trees properly. And so now we we really get why why Ted has been just kind of inconsolable about work lately. Especially when we know he has such a cool design waiting. That's right. going to waste. That's gotta be tough. 
we we sort of talked a little bit about this, but, but decided we had to wait to the podcast. But Hammond Druthers is in every fucking company, everywhere. Absolutely. It's not, it's barely a caricature, honestly. There's so much material to work with, mm-hmm. just from everyday real people that... Oh, yeah. Oh, he's just... He just makes my skin crawl. I know. The arrogance and the the sort of unearned success. Yeah. It's really tough to watch. So we cut to Marshall and Barney together looking for Professor Lewis. And you see this plant. And we kind of get this mini nature documentary, <laughs> right? And they're like, oh, there she is. Through, the, the, camera, pl- through the plant. <laughs> through the plant. Yeah, it's like, and it's not steady. And there we see Jane fucking Seymour yes. looking amazing yeah. in this emerald green satiny blouse. Oh. She is just, love her. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, anyway, so Barney points out all the features that Professor Lewis has that makes her a cougar with these little subtitles underneath. So it's really just like a nature documentary. So first he shows us, her hair, which keeps up with cur- uh, hairstyles as camouflage. The blouse displaying maximum cleavage. And he has this line, if you're watching them bounce, she's about to pounce. <laughs> I love it. Use what you got. Use what you got. Exactly. The claws are long and sharp to ward off rival females or open up those alimony checks. That one got an LOL for me. Oh, yeah, me too. And Barney decides that the hunt is begun. Marshall's a little worried at first, but then gives him his blessing to mount and stuff her. Gross. So gross, yeah. Uh, Barney walks into her office, which is number 269. Ooh! Oh, yeah. And he has this awful Italian accent, fading to be a for an exchange student named Luigi. (laughs) And she just looks at him and cuts right through him and tells him, you know, tell me what you want or get out. So Barney straightens up and he's like, oh, direct. And he really appreciates that and introduces himself and lays it out there for her and tells Professor Lewis that what he wants is her. And he does a wink and she gives him like a once over and tells him to turn around and he like obliges and he's like feeling himself, you know? And she just looks at him and she says, my place, two hours, don't be tardy. And then hands him what we assume is her address. I love it. Fucking man eater. Full man eater. She's not a fucking cougar. She is a man eater. She is going to eat him up. Oh, and I just really want, I really wish we got to see Professor Lewis take on him and Druthers. (gasps) Yeah. That's what this episode needed that it didn't have. That would be. her just shredding that man to fucking ribbons. I would love that. And I also love that starting now and through the whole episode, she never drops being a professor. Yeah. Almost everything she yeah, everything she says is has some sort of dripping edu- like academic innuendo and she totally gets off on like the power structure of it, which is yep. amazing. And I have to say, you know, working in education, teacher jokes are fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And we're always talking about, oh, we got a progress monitor <laughs> and all that bullshit. Nerds. So it's very I would say, like, true yeah. for somebody who works in education, too. I just love it. She's just fully stepped into her power, and I love every second. Yeah. So at the bar, at the after her first day of work, Lily is very disturbed by everything about Hammond Druthers. Ted says the guy's usually not like this, but honestly, I can't see Hammond Druthers having any other speed than this one. Robin wants to know 
if Ted showed Lily his design, the one that she got to see at the end of Ted Mosby Architect, and the one he hasn't shown anybody else. Robin here is, like, so sweet and so supportive girlfriend, Mm. and, you know... She really is. episode... I think she turned a corner with that with that episode. Yeah. She's like, weren't you just telling me somebody qu- in your office just quit? You know, like, they're having those, like, intimate details in your day, you know? And she's remembering them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And bringing them up. They both became a lot more vulnerable that episode, and now she's really fallen into the groove of being a good girlfriend. And like Robin, she kicks ass at everything, including yeah. being in a relationship once she figured out how to do it. Lily gets excited, and she tells him that she thinks he should pitch the new idea to Druthers, because obviously Lupita's building is trash. It's pretty clear here that his firm is in really big trouble, because any rocking of the boat, according to Ted, could sink them, could completely sink them. And he just doesn't want to compromise the firm's success by insulting Hammond. Uh, So at this point, it seems like he's going to keep it to himself. We cut to Barney and Professor Lewis in bed, <laughs> and Barney is panting. He's just like clearly has had the best sex of his life. Yeah. And we see Professor Lewis, who is less than impressed, and she tells him C minus. Oh, <laughs> gag. Oh, and then she, I could the next part, I could just see it written in red pen. Amen. She tells him. You didn't budget your time well. You glossed over some of the most important points, and your oral presentation was sloppy and inconclusive. Yes! Man oh. eater. Man yes. eater. And we have never seen Barney like this. He is like freaking putty in her hand. He really is. It's amazing. We haven't seen him since his Casio days. Mm-hmm. Singing to Shannon. We haven't seen him acting like this around a woman. So, oh, Jane Seymour, you're just a freaking breath of fresh air. Love you so much. <laughs> Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, everybody. Oh, I loved that show. Same. It was amazing. She's just always been a badass. She has always been a badass. I remember right? I like loved that she was this female doctor. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought she was a man because her name was Dr. Mike, but it was short for Michaela. Yes. So great. I just fucking love that. Ugh. Strong female. Strong woman. Yeah. Anyway. She was a cougar mom in Wedding Crashers too, right? Wasn't oh, I think she? So. She's married to Christopher Walken and she's trying to get with one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she knows her. She knows what she She knows what please. she can do. She's a fucking man eater. Yeah. On and off screen. I'll say it. So late at night back at the firm, clearly everyone's pulling long, long shifts to get this project done. Mr. Druthers is still being terrible to Ted, and Lily totally hates him. She stays behind to put the paints away after Ted's done with them, while Ted goes to show Druthers the trees he did. And, of course, he's not happy. He wants them basically to look more like pubes. Like literal pubes. Yeah, it's disgusting. Brown, more brunette, wiry, and bushy. A thicket of wild, ungroomed brunette shrubbery. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. There's nothing wrong with pubic hair, but there should not be pubes in front of a building. Can we all agree yeah, to that? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with pubic hair at right, all. Right. It's just... I don't want them on my building. No, no thank you. And, I mean, how, how can he not see what he's doing? I mean, it is. If this really is just such a metaphor for toxic masculinity in the workplace. 
Like, you're literally building a huge <sighs> penis with balls and pubic hair, and you think everything's totally fine and no one should feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, every woman knows someone like this. <laughs> Let me tell you. Then, while he is accosting Ted, he notices that his baseball, signed three times by Pete Rose, has gone missing. And I always thought this was just like a silly thing. And I, for the show, I was wondering why, why three times, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's potentially a dig at the fact that Pete Rose got in trouble for tax fraud because he wasn't counting income specifically from autographs. <sighs> so it was signed three times by a guy who didn't pay the IRS for any of the three of those autographs. And Pete Rose, if you don't know, also banned from the Baseball Hall of Fame for betting on baseball. And he's still betting. Oh, my God. Are you serious? There's been recent stories in, like, end of April. Um, Pete Rose makes more than $1 million a year but still owes money to casinos and IRS, his estranged wife says. He's also now apparently engaged to a Playboy model. He's, like, a million years old, and she's, like, early 20s. He's 77. And they had, like, a TV show, like a pilot or some shit. Ugh. Yeah, disgusting. So, anyway, he's he's trash. Gambling's a real problem. Get yeah. help, people. Um, anyway, so Druthers is obviously pissed that the ball was stolen, and Ted's like, okay, cool, not my problem, and he goes back to change the color of the trees, but he needs the paints, which Lily put away, and so he goes to her desk to look for the paints, I'm not sure why, and instead of finding the paints, there in the second drawer is Hammond's Pete Rose, Pete Rose, Pete Rose baseball. Thank you for saying it three times like that. (laughs) So at the bar, Lily walks in and Ted just comes right out and asks her about it. And we get flashbacks throughout the day of Hammer just being like such a total, complete (laughs) asshole. I love this Um, scene. Me too. This is Brian Cranston's best work in the episode. I love it so much. My favorite part is when (laughs) there's a little boy and he just walks (laughs) up. Yep. And he just slaps the fucking ice cream right off the cone. And he gets in his face. How that kid not laugh? Oh, oh little crybaby's gonna cry. By the way, he just like smacks the ice cream, but like, <laughs> fuck you. He did, no, he did not care at all. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. I wonder how many times they had to do that, that scene. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> how can you hit a fucking ice cream out of a kid's hand and not, like, die laughing? Because it's something you probably all... <laughs> I'm a terrible person. You just imagine doing shitty stuff to people, but you yeah. never actually do it. There's an episode no. later on where Marshall hits a kid with a kickball, and he, he... The kid's not even on screen. And Marshall, you see Jason Siegel, he cannot not laugh. <laughs> He has to, like, quickly recover, but it doesn't work. So that scene must have taken a long time. I also like when he's eating a sandwich and he's like, there's no... Horseradish for the roast beef! He's like, they didn't teach you that? That sandwich. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So fucking good. And I love that Lily made up the last one, the ice cream one. Yeah, Lily made up the last (laughs) one, but... She then tells us that this is just something she used to do as a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. If a kid was being mean, she would take their toy, and at first they were upset, but then they would learn to be nice, and then they'd get the toy back. And Robin gets the bar and sits down, and Ted then tells her that Lily stole the ball. And Robin is so unfazed, mm-hmm. and 
She goes, oh, why? Was he being mean? Like, totally, like, expecting yeah. that reaction. Yeah, because she knows her best friend. Yeah, and Robin looks at, as you said, she looks at Lily like, that's her best friend. She's like, yeah, it's her own personal form of justice. Did you tell him about the gap? <laughs> you know, she's just so proud of her friend and her person, yeah. you know? yeah. So I guess a, a salesman was rude to Robin. So Lily, of course, stole the khakis, which then Robin gave to Ted for his birthday. <laughs> Justice khakis is the name that they dubbed them. Yes. Um, Ted's horrified because, you know, shoplifting is illegal, <laughs> and that's not really a good way to teach somebody a lesson. But in order to help him and Druthers learn that lesson, she's written a note from the baseball explaining why he left so that him and Druthers will understand the reason why the ball left and then become a better person. She really does not know this dude. No, and, and you know, Ted calls her out mm. and says that they're all tolerating this little breakdown, but this is his career. Yeah. And that, I think, is an extremely fair point. You don't fuck with somebody's career. He has worked too hard for too long yeah. for Lily to come in and pull some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Lily then decides she doesn't like Ted's tone and takes the baseball. <laughs> but I'd be pissed. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I think he was within his rights to say that. I mean, yes, Hammer Brothers is being a dick, but this is very dangerous to his career, and Lily doesn't seem to see the gravity of that at all. So up at the apartment, Marshall is still studying. This poor guy, all he does this episode is study. I know. And Barney comes in looking defeated. Turns out no one in Marshall's class got higher than a C-. minus. Which was Barney's grade. Interesting. So now there seems to be a correlation with how well Barney has sex with her and the exact grade everyone in the class is getting. Barney says that he did underestimate her because he thought because she was old, she, you know, could, would have to take it slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to go back for round two. And he's even, like, drinking water to, like, replenish himself. But then we do a smash cut to later that night, and he's crying in her bed, and he pulls up. (laughs) Ted Mosby and says, I think I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) And yeah, so that that game night side of Barney leaps out of him again. So this woman has Mm -hmm. done something to him, man. And she doesn't even remember that they had sex like the day before or whatever. Oh, God, that wasn't your first time, was it? Yeah. Although that would explain a lot. Yeah. She doesn't even remember having sex with him yesterday, let alone at all. Unbelievable. And she said that, oh, you had sex. I saw it as revising my spring syllabus. Yeah, you had sex yesterday. Holy shit. And Barney just has this devastated look on his face. Did you notice she has an animal print blanket? Yes. (laughs) Wrote that down. Of course you did. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of animal print from her the rest of the episode, which is perfection. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Barney's just floored. He can't believe that someone has gotten gotten into his head and his ding dong like this. Back at the office, Ted is telling Lily that he's going to grab the note and put the ball back. Mm -hmm. And he just needs Lily to give him the ball. But Lily stands by what she did and isn't going to give it back. So then Hammond starts screaming because he just found the note and he is not amused. And Hammond tells everybody that normally he would just start yelling at everybody, but maybe that's not the the reaction that is appropriate. And Lily is beaming ear to ear. Until we find out that that reaction is giving the baseball until the end of the day to come back, or the next day he's going to start firing three people an hour. (sighs) And if the thief doesn't believe him, then he's gambling more than Pete wrote. Allegedly. Allegedly did. 
it's so spot on that Hammond Druthers' favorite baseball player is like the biggest scumbag in baseball. And he's so good at portraying that character. Like he's like one of those actors that you look at him and I I know it's Brian Cranston, but he's Hammond Druthers. Oh yeah, yeah. Fucks you up. It's tough. Anyway, so now Ted's really worried because it's not just Ted's career on the line, it's other people's as well. And people are going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And he tries to tell Lily that. She's like, no, it's fine. I saw this all the time. It's a tantrum. She knows better. Ted doesn't know what he's talking about. And I was so mad at Lily. Yeah, yeah, same. This is, I was, I'm, I'm like, madder at her in this episode than when she left Marshall, honestly. She's so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. The Marshall thing I, I understood. So- this just seems so irrational. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have a feeling she's doing this because she has no control or power anywhere in her life right now. Hmm. And so this is a way for her to exert some kind of control and authority over something because she's like just spinning. spinning Most people would develop an eating disorder, but okay. Hmm. Well, or shoplifting and she's stealing things. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, that's true. Girls shoplift to feel something sometimes. Lily bargains with Ted that if. He shows his plans to Druthers, then he can have the ball back. And Ted says, no, give the ball back or you're fired. And Lily says that she's sorry she can't. And Ted shows us that he means it. Mm -hmm. He says, well, then you're fired. And Lily's pissed, but hands him the ball as she walks out. Would you have fired her? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Because I think, especially, I'm guessing architecture is a pretty high-pressure field. Yeah. And you you probably just come up used to people above you being an asshole to you. Mm. So to him, this doesn't seem out of the ordinary at all. Right. It's not right. But that's also not the way to change it. So I think that if I'd come up in a, in a field where you just get used to the superiors being, you know, taking out their stress on you... Mm-hmm. I would probably be so conditioned by it that, yeah, I would fire my best friend if she was fucking Oof. with it. It's tough. The next day, in comes Barney limping into the bar. And poor Marshall is now still studying, but at the bar. And and thanks to Barney, he's just, everything's worse. The class is harder. The grades are, are still shit. And Barney says he's refueling so he can try again. You see, I'm refueling here. Yeah. Or what do you say? Do you not see my power bar in yeah. my hand? And so you I'm cut. Fueling up. You cut to. We cut to him chugging a sixer of Red Bull and showing up at her door. And again, she's in a kind of animal print or like a wood grain. I couldn't tell. Or like zebra. Yeah, it was kind of zebra y, but it, like It's thin. definitely like more natural. There must be another pattern. animal that looks like that. Yeah. And, again, she just it seems exasperated with the idea of teaching him more things. Mm-hmm. He tells her that up until now he's been going easy on her because he didn't want her to break a hip, important yep. phrase, but not anymore. He's really going to show her how it goes now. She's still completely unfazed. I mean, I can't imagine how many guys have done this to her before. And she tells him he can start while she finishes grading the papers. Yes, queen. Fucking yes, Boss ass bitch. Boss ass bitch. And so we're back at Ted's job, and it is the big day. Time to unveil the giant dick for the clients. <laughs> yep. 
And apparently um, Ted somehow has told Druthers that Lily stole the ball because he makes this comment about, you know, thanks for being so understanding about Lily. Mm. And uh, him and Druthers then does that thing where you're kind of, you're not forced to because he's not forced, you know, he's not physically or visibly or anything, but he puts pressure on him in that he's like a superior. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. He misuses his, his power. It's normal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he does some bullshit where he misuses his power mm-hmm. in order to get Ted to say that Lily is deranged very loudly and several times. But it, it's just so infuriating to watch that part because... He is every man. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's women like that, too, but... No. Maybe there are a few. But, yeah, this whole episode is just Ted being humiliated. It's not easy to watch. No. And just letting it happen because he doesn't want to lose his job. It's sad. Clients come in. The bank president sits down, and they unveil the giant dick, and he just flat out says, that's a penis. (laughs) But this is somebody that him and Druthers can't scream at or threaten to fire. Right. He needs their business. So he's like, what? You know, confused, and the bank president's like, "We're not building a, a penis. Got any other ideas?" Yeah, and it's a very the emperor has no clothes moment. Yeah, he's being gaslit. You know, because everybody around knows it looks like a penis, but no one was brave enough to say it to his face. And then this guy comes out of Spokane, Washington. He doesn't know any of these people. He doesn't know about the egos or the power dynamics at play and he just tells them exactly what he sees yeah we're not building a dick dick. yeah and i just love when he walks in or when the bank folks walk in there's like this magical hopeful music playing kind of like the music Mm. when he showed robin his his building and we just know that this is like a big moment that's about to happen hammond says that you wanted him and druthers this is hammond druthers and the bank president then says hats off to your lady friends <laughs> love it we're done here and he just walks out and teddy boy realizes that he is wearing his justice khakis and he saves the fucking day oh, yeah. by calling out after them and telling them that he has one more idea he's got another uh, design hammond tells him to sit down and shut up but ted finally tells him no and i love when we get the voiceover and future ted says the entire traje- trajectory of my life might have been different if I hadn't been wearing mm. these pants. And I love when they mm. find the little moments that change everything. Yeah. We'll see a lot of those, and this is this is a good one. Like, everything could have been different if he had been wearing jeans that day or some other, right. some other random pants. But he was reminded of Lily and took a leap. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah. Right? Like the small little thing that makes a change. Totally. So much, yeah, and so the lesson here is fucking go for it. Mm-hmm. If you see your opening at work, even if it'll piss off your superior, but you know you're confident that it's going to be great, take the freaking risk. Like, if they aren't getting yeah. it done, why not you? Why not? So, Ted saved his firm, yeah, and so it fades into later that night, and everyone's celebrating at the bar, and everything's cool between Lily, Lily and Ted. She's happy for him, and he thanks her. For giving him the courage to stand up to Druthers. Lily deems his gratitude worthy and gives him the screws to his desk chair rack, which is <laughs> very, very nice of her. And Ted's now officially the project manager of this giant building. So talk about some momentum for his career. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So big things are happening for Ted this season. But Lily doesn't want the job back because she has come through this crisis. She's tried a bunch of things. 
she's tried on a lot of different careers and she realizes that her form of justice best belongs still in a kindergarten classroom. I love Robin's toast to Ted when she says to Ted, the youngest person to ever design a building over seven story, 70 stories. Probably. probably. And then everyone yells, probably. So cute. That always makes me laugh. Yeah. And she just seems so, I don't know, there's something about her that just seems so different from the earlier Robins. She just seems a little softer somehow. Softer and yeah, like you were saying, just so supportive. So supportive. Like she's really trying her best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of Robin this episode, but we did. But what we did get, we saw a lot of change in her. So our last scene is at the hospital, and we see Barney in a bed and Professor Lewis standing off to the side smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And they ask what happened, and Professor Lewis tells them that he broke his hip, and she's got this smug. She is the smug face emoji. Woo-wee. That little smirk. Oh, the yeah. irony. Where's Alanis? Right? And it turns out it's not broken, but it is dislocated. That's what you get for being ageist, Barney. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. You broke your hip. Mm-hmm. Marshall makes his way over to Professor Lewis, and she tells him that she just graded his paper that evening. And she was, she looks over at Barney, pleasantly surprised. B+. Plus. And I love this part because Barney is so mad. He goes to, like, get up and then realizes that he can't. <laughs> yeah. And he says that after he's done with his eight weeks of physical therapy, he's going to get Marshall that A. But Marshall tells him just to let her go because she belongs in the wild. And that, you know, he fought the cougar and he lived. And that in itself, in and of itself, is an accomplishment. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if, you're, if breaking your whole body only got you a B plus, <laughs> it wasn't about conquering her. It was about mm-hmm. living to tell the tale. I love that it took her... Because we didn't see her smoking at the end of any other sex they had. It took her literally breaking his bones for her to be satisfied. Oh, yes. Man eater. Yes. Freaking love it. Me too. Oof. What a good episode. Yes. What'd you think, Caitlin? You know, when we were talking about it before, I had forgotten this is the one with... Jane Seymour and I was like oh my god yes I love this one and then I forgot it's also the one with Hammond Druthers who was just so disgusting and uh, it's mostly about Ted's story because we get clips of Professor Lewis but it really made it more palatable but Jane Seymour is a fucking beast goddess yeah oh yeah no she is she's fully saved the episode from being absolutely Basically unwatchable because Hammond's tough to watch. Lily's tough to watch in this. Watching Ted be humiliated is really tough. So the mm-hmm. the B plot of Marshall and Barney and Jane Seymour was so, so necessary. So good job putting those two storylines together, guys. For me, I remember at the end of last season when we did our little wrap up, I was talking about how I was hoping we would get more about Ted outside of his constant, mm-hmm. you know, bumbling towards love. And... Here we are. So the last few episodes, we've gotten a lot more about his career. And it seems like it's going to be a pretty important story arc, at least for this season, which is great. Now that he's mm-hmm. project manager, there's there's some stuff there. Oh, and after flirting with the relationship side of things in the last in the last couple uh, weeks, Barney's back to his old tricks. Mm-hmm. But this episode showed that now it might not be as easy. You know, he's now he's hitting on older women and they are not falling for the same shit that the, the younger women fall for. So he's 
back at his game, but it doesn't. It's not going mm-hmm. as smoothly, and that maybe that has something to do with the fact that he's his whole heart isn't in it anymore. Marshall and Lily are coexisting peacefully, which we hadn't seen yet since they broke up. Like the, when the when Marshall came into the restaurant with everybody and took the Polaroid over her, and so they're kind of able to you know give each other shit and mm-hmm. be in the same room with each other without it being supremely awkward, which is great. Right. And I'm pretty sure that the back-to-back realizations they've had in the last two episodes about how much life sucks without each other is sort of pulling them back together to a place where they they just miss each other. And Robin, like we talked about, seems to be settling into trusting Ted and advocating for him. And it just seems like a, a big, big episode for, for character development all around. Mm-hmm. So good job, Aldrin Justice. Solid on all fronts. All right, let's check out the legendary moments we got from our fans here. So our first one comes from our buddy Tanya in South Africa. And she says, hi, hope this one makes it for the recording. It did, because we were late this week. (laughs) And Tanya says, Aldrin Justice is not one of my favorite episodes, mostly because I don't like Lily's behavior. Same. Same. And she actually said, can't wait to hear what Miranda has to say. (laughs) love our fans interact. I love you guys talking to each other. It's amazing. And like Me knowing too. each other. This is yeah. this is fantastic. And uh, but Tanya's legendary moment is Brian Cranston as Hammond Druthers. He plays this douchey mean boss so well. He is perfect for the role. Stay awesome, Tanya. Our next legendary moment comes from Shelby who wrote to us through Twitter. Yay! And new legendary moment yay. person. So exciting. Shelby, keep them coming. Yes. Uh, Shelby writes, I'm late. Oh, so are we. So it's okay. You good, girl. But my legendary moment from Altern Justice is the thoroughly admiring look that Robin gives Lily when she is explaining that it's her own personal form of justice. Shelby, one of the things that I do while watching the episode scene by scene is I will write different moments that could potentially be my legendary moment. And I had the exact fucking same thing. Robin's look. She just looks at her with so much love and mm. admiration and pride. Oh, I love that one. Excellent, excellent choice. Good Thanks, Shelby. And our next one comes from our buddy in India, Abha. So yet again, Abha liked basically the whole episode. Uh, so I'll point out a couple that other people haven't said yet. Uh, Lily working at Big Wave Luau, the whole cougar thing. And uh, Professor Lewis grading him for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the note that Lily leaves for the ball and um, just the ongoing penis building discussion and the wordplay in that scene. Among other things. She loved the whole episode. So that's good. Hey, Kate, how's that answering machine? Do we have a red blinking light or what? Looks like we do. I think we might have, a, we might have one message on the answering machine. So let's, let's hear it. So I just finished Aldrin Justice, and while I'd love to tell you guys how I really feel about this episode and my legendary moment, I had to pick my secondary one just because I can't take it anymore. This is another episode that, honestly, people should watch and think, what the fuck is she doing? But you all like her, so I won't hate on her anymore, I promise. So my legendary moment is Barney... And his quest for a cougar. The guy goes hard for his friends. I'll give him that, pun intended. Um, I hope you both have a lovely day, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. How much do you want to bet Miranda's number one legendary moment that she didn't share was Lily getting fired? 
Oh, I bet it was. And for, for sure. Everyone out there, you are welcome to hate characters that we love. We will never get remember? sick of it. We will never get sick yeah. of it. Tell us tell us the truth, friends. Remember how much I hate Victoria? Yeah, man. It's okay. Yeah. You're you're free. I love hate. You're, Let me hear you're it. free to send hate mail about Lily all you want because we absolutely agree with you at this episode. She was oh, yeah. a, a petulant child. And just because we love Lily doesn't mean we don't also recognize that she sucks sometimes. Totally. Oh, everyone has yeah. their faults, except for Marshall. He's basically great. He's perfect. He's perfection, yeah. yeah. He's like the Christ child. <laughs> Tender and mild. <laughs> yeah. All right, what was your legendary moment, Caitlin? I really do have two. I don't know how to pick. One, because Jane Seymour was just absolute perfection mm-hmm. this entire episode. I love her as Professor Lewis, but also... Brian Cranston, that fucking ice cream. <laughs> Just his slap and like straight face. <laughs> so good. Well, Caitlin, this is the first time that you and I have had the exact same legendary moments. No way! It was those two. I was thinking she'll pick one and then I'll I'll, you know, she'll pick one of the ones I have. Because I knew yeah. you loved both those moments, and I'll pick the other one, but we both have the same one. I can't I can't decide. They're both too legendary. Well, I mean, it was it was a great episode for guest characters, right? It it absolutely was. And I think sometimes that doesn't go well because you're adding somebody new to a group that has great chemistry mm-hmm, already. Mm-hmm. So you have to be pretty talented to be able to kind of fit in. And assertive. And it doesn't yeah. always fit perfectly. Oh, I know. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. I would love to put Professor Lewis and Hammond Druthers in a room together. That man would not walk out alive. No. So cheers. She would tear him limb from Cheers limb. to the man-eater, Professor Lewis. You are mm-hmm. hashtag goals for life. Well, thanks for all the legendary moments, folks. And thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you for coming back another week. Heck yeah. And so next up for next Thursday is Swarly, which is such a good episode. I know I say that almost every single time, but this one... It's really good. This might be the episode I've watched more than any other How I Met Your Mother episode. Really? I mean, I mean. Come on. All right, yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it's one of Chris's favorites, too. How could, I mean, we'll get, we'll get there. I don't want to start we'll talking we'll about it yet. There. Let's save the juice for next time. Okay. But in the meantime, send us your, everybody, send us your legendary moment for this episode swarly to hey beautiful podcast at gmail.com you can also share it with us on twitter at hey beautiful pod just make sure you tag us and be sure if you love us to leave a review on itunes because they are very very helpful and if you don't know we post new recaps every thursday as often as we can and so we hope you'll come back next episode because it's going to be legend wait for it this has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gorton and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. 